Welcome to Spiritual Grit, the podcast where we talk real talk about spirituality through the lens of activism and social justice. What happens when activism and spiritual practices collide? What sparks of change call for the grit we need to create meaningful strides in social justice? I'm your host, Leslie Ann Hobayan, poet, priestess, activist, professor, hip-hop dancer, and badass mama. Join me as we dive in to learn more about our deepest selves so that we can be better ancestors to create a stellar world for our descendants. Grab your dancing shoes and let's get groovy with the grit right now. Hello, loves. Welcome to another episode of Spiritual Grit. How are you on this fantastic day? I hope wherever you are that you are able to find a little calm, a little peace, a little happiness in this moment. Uh, Whether or not you are feeling happy right now, you will be because you're listening to this show. (laughs) Um, So you can always count on me to at least give you a little calm, a little reconnection to the body, to the self, even if just for a brief moment. And of course, we always return to the breath. So let's take a breath here now. Inhale. And then let it all out. (sighs) Remember, in the inhale, we can bring fresh life. We can bring newness, renewedness. And I don't know if that's even a word. And then on the exhale, just release and let it go. And speaking of let it go, um, while I talk for a little bit, I'm going to shuffle today's deck, um, which I'm going to, I'm going to pull a card from an Oracle deck today instead of a a tarot. Uh, and this is from the star seed Oracle by Rebecca Campbell. So while I shuffle this, I just want to make a little, um, note of the time of this recording is the weekend of the Scorpio full moon lunar eclipse. And what a portal this eclipse season has been. Um, Because the full moon and the eclipse itself is in Scorpio, Scorpio is asking us to release a bunch of stuff, to really just let it all go, to shed it. I have this journal, um, The Magic of Eye, which is a beautiful, beautiful astrological journal um, that you can use both as a planner for your regular life, but then also for your astrological life. Um, it's so helpful and I highly recommend it. And no, I'm not getting paid to say that, though it would be nice to have a little bonus, like a shout out from Magic of Eye, but you know, they do their thing and I just love uh I just love the journal. So if y'all are um, curious about just tracking the astrology and the energies of the celestial bodies, um, definitely check that out. I will put a, um, I'll put a link in the show notes for you to check it out. But yes, the, sh- the word shedding comes through in um, from the Magic of Eye journal for this full moon. And I was like, yeah, we got to shed a lot of stuff. There's, there's letting go and there's release, which, you know, is something that I invite folks to do every new moon, every full moon. Um, but if you want to get really nuanced with the energies of the moon and the signs that they're in, um, this journal really helps with that. And so this Scorpio moon 
really is about getting deep in the emotional stuff, really deep down um, in just looking at the things that have been holding you back that you you maybe aren't even aware of. Like it's about finding patterns um, and seeing those habits to see, all right, are these habits really helping me evolve, helping me grow, helping me step into my, um, my divine self, my authentic self? Um, so Scorpio moon is all about that. And there's been a lot of shedding, a lot of releasing energetically, spiritually, emotionally, um, over here in, um, Syria Gion headquarters, the post priestess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So lots, lots of shedding and, um, and it feels good because when you do that, you feel so much lighter. I want to, I wanted to say a thousand times lighter, but I don't know if I can even quantify, um, how much lighter I feel. Um, and, and, you know, different results for different people. It depends on where you are on your journey, but, um, there's definitely a lightness. It could be a little bit, but it is noticeable. So take it as you will. But, um, yeah, so I'm going to draw a card cause I feel like I'm getting into the, the meat of <laughs> this episode. And, um, actually today is the first part of a four part series that I'm calling light of the world. Uh, midlife transitions and spirituality. So this is specifically for my listeners who are in midlife. And what I mean by midlife is that it's not an age, although I do like to say, you know, it's for Gen Xers because we are the best generation. I'm telling you because all the kids now are dressing like us. They're listening to our music. I mean, really, uh, what more proof do you need? <laughs> um, but I, I'm specifically just thinking about that time in your life where you have go have, have sort of crossed that threshold of when you were younger, you didn't see past this point in time. It was just this, you know, I've got this plan. I, you know, I've got the path for my education and then what I want to do after. And then when you get to, you know, when you're a kid and you're imagining like what your life is going to be, we kind of skip over the, the middle part of our lives, you know, the, and I'm going to give an age to it, even though I just said that I wasn't going to, but in the forties and fifties, you know, maybe the late thirties and the early sixties, maybe a little bit wider, but it's that, that chunk of time that we don't really think about or dream about or any of that stuff. So when we get there, when we get here, then you're like, oh, huh. Okay. So, so that, that's, that's what they're talking about. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, I see. So, so what I'm doing is um, I'm going to do this four part series called light of the world, because I really believe that at this point in time, we are the light of the world, the guiding light that will take us through all of these huge global transitions. I mean, we don't have to say the pandemic because we already know, we already know that the pandemic is this catalyst or has been this catalyst for huge change. And change is a neutral word. It's not a change for the better or for the worse. It's just change. What it is asking us is how do we respond to the change? What choices are we going to make in relationship to these changes, right? And so we've got global changes, right? We've got, we've got pandemic, we've got social uprising, we've got a lot of political things happening in the United States. And, you know, being Filipino, I also am privy to things happening in the Philippines. And um, the Philippines just had a big election last week. 
And whew, yeah, we, hmm, we might have to talk about that. I might have to bring a guest on and so we can have a little bit of discussion with that uh, through the lens of spirituality, which, which should be interesting. And there's been some, some violence um, as of late here in the States uh, where we've got some, some more shootings and um, we, we can talk about that as well uh, in, down the road. Um, right now, I've just got a lot going on and I got to pick one thing at a time. As one of my teachers said just to me last week, one message at a time, <laughs> one lesson at a time. Don't want to overwhelm you. Don't want to, you know, just put you all in freeze mode or flight or any of the four Fs. Um, but yes, four part series, Light of the World, because I believe we are the light that will guide us as a human race, as a people, as a collective towards the light. We are going to be shifting through all of these changes out of three-dimensional existence and moving into more awareness with what is beyond our senses, with energies, with presences, with beings that are beyond the tangibles. Um, and so as we do that, we kind of have to be in a place where we are grounded in ourselves, where we feel secure in who we are. And, and you know, secure in who we are doesn't necessarily mean that we don't have insecurities. It just means we feel a little more firm, a little more grounded, a little more solid. Um, and the security in ourselves can evolve over time and it'll keep growing and, and, you know, there's no end to it. Like I was saying to a friend of mine last week, you know, healing, there's many layers to healing. And just because we think we've healed one thing doesn't mean that we're done. It's just this continual peeling away of layers and it's lifelong work. You know, there is no end. There is no like final result. There's just continual growth, continual evolution. There are markers, you know, of healing, of growth, but there isn't an end to strive for. And so she was so funny because she was like, actually, strangely enough, that feels comforting because yes, you're not, it's like, it's not like, oh, I have to heal all of my wounds by the time I'm 60, you know, and then I can start living my life. No, 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 no. It's all happening simultaneously. And the healing doesn't stop. So if you know that you're going to be doing this for the rest of your life, the healing, the growing, the evolving, can you, can this, can you see this as an invitation to just enjoy life, to be present in the moment and to enjoy, yes, even the difficulties, even the struggles, as much as it feels uncomfortable, as much as we're like, no, we just want to go to the spa. If you knew and trusted that on the other side of that, you were so much lighter, so much brighter, so much more yourself, it makes it all worth it. I'm, I'm telling you, trust me. I mean, you don't have to trust me, but <laughs> I've been through it. And for those of you that know me a long time, you have seen the growth, you have seen the evolution. And, you know, I mean, I am, I am proof of, of all those kinds of things, but there are other people, you know, out there who have evolved and have been through it. And the thing is, we don't see that evolution right? A lot of that stuff is private. A lot of that stuff, even if people share it, a lot of that stuff is internal, you know, stuff that I go through. Yeah. I mean, I share some of it with my closest, closest friends, you know, my soul fam who have seen the struggles and, and all of the things, 
but even they don't know just how much discomfort. I, don't, I wanted to say pain, but it's not really painful. Just how much discomfort I went through. It was really excruciating, but they don't know the level of that because they're not inside me. They're not me. And so everyone's story is different. And what you see isn't always the big picture, isn't always the full picture. Um, so if you look at my story and look at my growth and it's like, oh my God, how did that happen? That's amazing. Like, no, 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 don't be like fooled. <laughs> There have been some struggles for real and um, lots of crying, lots of cursing, lots of burning, lots of breaking, lots of things happening um, behind the scenes and not even like there's the literal behind the scenes, right? But then there's also behind the scenes internally, you know, what goes on inside of me. No one has access to that. Even when I share it, it's still not the same as experiencing it firsthand. So that said... We are the light of the world. <laughs> and I'm here to just give you, um, I guess, a map of how we can really navigate the midlife transitions and fold in the spirituality, but also just kind of feel where we are to, to just sort of like take inventory. So that's what this four-part series is going to be about. Um, and for today, we're just going to look at how far you've come. Because if you think about where you are standing in midlife, let's, let's pretend we have a timeline. And I know I haven't drawn the Oracle card yet, but <laughs> I'm getting to it. Um, just imagine we're standing on a timeline, right? And at point A or point zero is birth. And then, you know, it goes on into with a big question mark onto the other side. So let's say birth is at the right, the left side. So let's think of it like a number line like you did in, in elementary school math. You know how they do those number lines and you start at zero. And so we have zero, which is birth. And then you have that arrow that goes to the right and that just keeps going. We don't know where it ends. Um, so just put a question mark at the end of that. And then so we are sort of in the middle. I mean, I know that the question mark doesn't really mean an end, but it's just a place marker, right? And so we are standing in the middle. Now, what I want to do for this episode is for us just to look over our shoulder and look back. So looking back over the time that we've lived thus far, look at how far we've come, okay? Now I'm going to draw the Oracle card. All right, so let's see how far we've come and what kind of guidance um, might come through for us, for me, as we talk about how far we've come up until this point in our life. So again, I'm looking, I'm drawing a card from the Starseed Oracle deck, and I'm getting a few, oh, here we go. Oh, this one. <laughs> All right, here we go. You're not alone. Oh, how appropriate is this card. Okay, so let me describe the art. You're not alone. Um, oh, and there's um, isolation, physical connection, and community. Oh, this comes through at such a great time because a lot of us, I don't know about you, but I do, and, and I know a few, that when we get to this point in our lives, I'm just going to keep calling it midlife because that's what it is, midlife. We're at midpoint of where we think our lives are going. You know, we had this I was going to say this imagined, 
I guess so. We had this, we had this imagined vision. We had this idea of like where our lives would go, right? And so we're at that midpoint of where what we what we saw. Um, and you're not alone. Comes at a at a really auspicious time because often we feel alone. We feel stuck in that in between. You know, we've got our parents who are aging and are increasingly needing our help. Um, and then we have our children who um, still need caring. Uh, some of them, I mean, depending on when you became a parent, some of them still need a lot of help if they're, you know, little in elementary school still or, or even um, middle school. But then a lot of us have children who are in high school and older and beyond. And so it's that sort of still parenting, but also knowing that they're going to leave the nest soon, which is really like, whew, that thing. But um, yeah, anyway, it's easy for us to feel like we are alone in this tug of war, this push and pull of, okay, to be the parent to our parents and the parent to our kids. It's um, not a fun place. not a fun place but if we know that we're not alone and we feel the support of others who are sharing in this experience in this similar journey then we can find the the umph the I, I, umph, the words are just not coming today i mean hello mercury retrograde <laughs> but um but yes if we know that we are not alone, we are more likely to keep con- keep going, to continue on. And so let me read what the guidebook is offering to us. The older the soul, the deeper the cave. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I don't even know what that means, but I'm just like, oh, man. Okay. Many star seeds and old souls enjoy their own company. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Spending time alone can be comforting and necessary for their vitality as it allows them to commune with their soul and fill up their energetic resources, especially if they have an underactive or open root chakra and find it hard being human. Hello, introverts. Um, and also those who are very, uh, I don't want to say addicted, but I'm going to say addicted to meditation and, and deep introspective existence, um, which is me, you know, I don't know if I'm addicted to meditation, but I love it so much that sometimes I like just cocooning in my place. Um, I am an extra extroverted introvert, which only means that I like to extrovert for a little bit. I like to be social and like, Hey everyone, it's me. And then, um, it's only in spurts. And then I have to go back home and, and cocoon and be like, I don't want to see anybody. Don't, don't talk to me. You can message me but that's it. Like going out, being social. mm -mm. (laughs) Um, Anyway, let me continue. Many star seeds find it more nourishing to retreat than to spend their time in meaningless conversations and relationships. I feel that. However, we must remember that we're not here to go about this life alone. Humans are pack animals and we all need the love, company, and support of others, both emotionally and physically. Yes. In our increasingly online world, we can be connected, quote unquote, to more people and yet feel more alone and isolated than ever. Hmm, ain't that the truth? There's still so much we don't know about the energetic side effects of things like social media, with so many people knowing our quote unquote news. 
What is it doing to our auric field? Ooh, that sounds like a potent question. I'm going to have to ponder that after I finish reading this. Commonly, we find ourselves in constant conversation, yet lacking the genuine connection of physical community and touch. Mm-hmm. The main message of this card is to step out of your cave and physically reach out to those in your life, to replenish when you need to, but not isolate yourself. This could be seeing friends and family who live nearby or having a regular catch-up walk with someone. In what ways can you open your life to the people who are physically in your life, those you truly know? Oh, I'm feeling this. Starseed Soul Inquiry. How can you reach out to people in your life physically? Oh, man. I am like taking this particular card personally um, because I was just thinking about this the other day of how convenient it is for all of us to just stay in our bubble, you know, like we just do the necessary things like even grocery shopping, you can do it online. You don't have to interact with anybody except the person loading your car, you know, but even then it's just sort of like a, a wave, a hello, you know, that kind of thing. Nothing really meaningful. Um, and, and yeah, you can talk to people on, you know, your messages, all the messaging apps that we have. You can talk to people on zoom, which is convenient for those who are far away, you know? And I want to say these days, I even want the good old fashioned phone call because there's something about zoom and they've done studies on this already that, that feels draining. It's because you on, on camera, you feel like you have to be, you have to perform, you know, it's just a natural instinct. Like you see a camera, you're like, Oh, I got to perform. I got to be, you know, a certain way. I got to look a certain way. I got to act a certain way. Even if it is like one of your closest friends, it's just, I don't know. I think the use of the video call needs to be, um, deliberate or intentional or less, less frequent. We'll say, because, there's a lot of attention I think you need to pay when on a video call. You know, for example, if I'm on a phone, I can wash dishes while I'm talking to my friend. You know, I can walk through the house, fold laundry. On a Zoom call, I feel like I got to stay stuck to my computer. You know, like, hey, like I got to be physically. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It would just be better if it was in person. You know, I think about like, oh, yeah, let's have a coffee talk. And yeah, if that's the intention, cool. But it's just better in person, I think. So it reminds me that I'm going to go, like, call a friend of mine who I haven't seen in a while and see if she wants to go out for coffee or walk or something. Um, Because there is something about the physical connection. And then this invitation to have a regularly scheduled connection time with somebody, I think is really important too, um, especially during this time of transition. You know, I'm talking, you know, I'm trying to do this, this podcast series on midlife transitions and how, how much harder is it to go through a transition alone? You know, I just, there's something, and maybe it's just me, but there's something that I love about community. I love community. Community is like my middle name, <laughs> Leslie and Community Hobayan, <laughs> right? I just love connecting with people. And yeah, I mean, I get tired and drained and I have to recharge and stuff. That's the introvert part of me. But the extrovert part of me really thrives on community. And I want to say that I, I go back and forth between the two where I'm like, Oh, I'm so like, it it feels like so much effort to just go out and, 
to hang out with somebody. You know, it's just it's like, ah, you know, I mean, that's how I feel sometimes. But once I make the connection, once I'm in community, like I'm like, this is good. Like, I really love it. Um, so I'm thinking about, OK, who in my life can I make a regular connection with where we just go on a walk and just catch up like a weekly walk? Like, hey, this what happened this week or whatever. I don't know. Um so I invite you to do that. I invite you all to make a standing date with somebody, um, like once a week, somebody to check in with, even if it is on Zoom or over text messages or whatever, just to like have that connection. Because what happens is like, yeah, you might be like, oh, nothing really happened today, you know, or last week or whatever. It's not about checking in with the, any significant stuff like, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what happened to me today, blah, 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 blah. No, it's about the, the meal things, the mundane, you know, there's something about sharing the mundane with another that just builds that relationship. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just fun and, and engaging and human. And it, it, it strengthens the bond between the people who are connecting so that when the big stuff happens, you know, you got someone to turn to one. You don't have to explain the whole story again, <laughs> right? Like, I hate that. It's like you got one person who's like been you've been connecting with, you know, every step of the way of a particular, you know, hardship or whatever or transition that you're going through. And then they're and then one day they're not available. So you want, you just need to vent it or like talk it out with somebody. So you go to another friend who hasn't been with you this whole time. And so you got to like rehash the whole story and give them the, the synopsis and catch them up to like oh, what's happened in the last month or two. And then you're just exhausted, but then you can never get to the thing that you want to vent about. So you're just like, okay. So anyway, so this is like what's happening and I need to get out, blah, blah, blah. And it's just funny because it's like two different experiences. I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? But it's just two different experiences where the daily connection really helps build the relationship where the once in a while connection, it's like, it almost, it almost feels like this big, huge overwhelm of, of info dump, you know, that's just like, here's the info dump. Let me just give it to all you now. And what happens is that it creates this reluctance to want to connect again, because then you're like, oh, if it's going to be like this all the time where I'm connecting and like it, the conversations end up being like three hours. I don't know if I have time for that. But if you did it little by little every day, you wouldn't have to do that. Right. Anyway, so the point is you are not alone. And let me tell you, I'm just going to pause for a minute and just say, I'm very chatty today and I have no idea what that's about. It could be, you know, I've released a bunch of stuff with the, the Scorpio full moon and, um, and now the floodgates are open. Like the, the communication is just like, even if it isn't as smooth, um, it's fine. It's totally fine. It's great. Um, but let us just, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too off track. <laughs> But I want to bring, come back to that question um, in the guidebook. What is, what is this doing to our auric field? You know, like social media and electronic and technology, you know, everywhere in our, in our existence, you know, are we able to tune in to our aura to like really have this pure energy of us, like our, our energy radiating out without so much static, without so much 
worry of what other people think or like seeing what other people are doing and having comparisonitis, which then brings you down and you're like, oh, that's what she's doing. I should be doing that because we're like the same age-ish, the same situation and she's doing that, that she's amazing, but I gotta go do that and then I'll, maybe I'll feel better. No, that's, you know, and that's, that's sort of the problem. Um, and even though we are, uh, us midlife, midlife folks know better, quote unquote, you know, we're human. We can't get help, but get wrapped up in comparisonitis and social media feeds that like you don't even know. Um, I know for myself, um, and I talked a little bit about this in my newsletter. If you are not a subscriber, then you're missing out. So make sure you subscribe to the newsletter, suryagian.com slash subscribe. <laughs> I just threw that in there because I thought of it. Um, but what I, um, what I wrote about in my newsletter last week was about my Mother's Day and how um, I was feeling disappointed by it. And part of it, is the comparisonitis because social media and I'm an adult and I'm aware of like the, the, I don't want to, the dangers, dangerous feels like such a strong word, but, um, I am aware of the, the, the pitfalls maybe <laughs> of social media and, and how I can fall into comparisonitis. Generally, I am very good about like, oh, that's that person's journey and that's that person's jersey. I don't know the big picture. I don't see what happens outside of that little square frame of the photo. Other things might be happening. I mean, when you see people on Instagram lives, Facebook lives, videos and stuff, you don't know what happens on the other side of that monitor, right? On the other side of that camera, you know, you're like, oh, look, they're setting They're like the background they have is this like carefully curated bookcase and then on the other side it's like piles of dirty laundry and you know dust bunnies under the bookcase a dog barking you know it's all that stuff but we don't see that and our automatic thinking is like wow they have it better than I do and then that's the comparisonitis so on my mother's day um my mother's day experience was not great because I was comparing my experience with other people's and what I saw was lack what I saw was other people, like friends, kids, giving their parent, their moms, like tokens of appreciation and affection. And I didn't even get a happy Mother's Day, mommy. I love you. Thank you for all, for all that you've done, for everything that you do for us. We appreciate you. Hug, 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 hug. Right? That's all I wanted. But I didn't get that. But then, you know, they're teenagers. So <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Um, but if you want to hear the story, you know, just go read the newsletter. And if you need access to it, you just reach out to me. I'll send it to you. Um, anyway, so here we are, right, in this place of midlife. And what activates this feeling of midlife is often just this moment of realization, like, oh shit, where am I? Am I where I said I was going to be by this age? Am I doing the thing that I love? Am I doing what I wanted to do? I don't even know anymore. And it's so funny. I remember when I got to that point where I was like, do I even want to be doing this job anymore? What is my meaning of life? Who am I? What is going on? I just felt like 
what is happening to me? And I want to say it was around my 40th birthday. It was like almost like when I turned 40, like a switch went off and and I was like, mm, something's different, something's shifting, something, mm, mm, right? And so I had this one um, mom friend and uh, her daughter used to go to ballet with my oldest and um, and we'd run into each other every now and then at swim summer swim meets and stuff because her daughter also did swimming. And I, I saw her um, around that time after turning 40 and I was like, Erin, what? going on and she she's she was older than me she was um i think she's like five years older than me and uh i was like i don't even know if i want to do this job anymore this teaching you know like i don't i don't know like i don't but then what would i do other than teaching i don't i have no idea and she kind of looked at me and kind of laughed like ah young danielson (laughs) you know um, she didn't. She didn't really laugh. I think she smiled and she goes, "Yeah." She goes, "I've been there." She's like, "I was there," and I was like, "And she's a she's a math teacher, high school math teacher," and um, she's like, "Yeah, I was there." And I was like, "You know, is this is this my life? Is this you know, is this what I'm gonna do? Is just be a math teacher for high school kids like from now until like I retire? Is that is that it? That's it? This is my life? You know, I thought there was more." And I just looked at her and I was like, so what'd you do? And she's like, well, I just looked at how many years left I had until my pension and then kept going and just knew that, um, you know, when I retired, then I'd be free to do whatever I wanted. And I was like, oh, now I'm going to tell you, that's not really the way to go. But that was the way she knew how. And um, and I think she also told me that she was trying to be more intentional with how she was teaching and what she was teaching her students beyond what the curriculum called for. So she was really like stretching her teaching to fit who she wanted to be, if that makes sense, which I appreciated. Um, but it didn't help me because I was like, well, I'm not a full-time professor. I, um, you know, I don't have benefits. I don't have pension. I don't have any, any of that stuff that public school teachers do, um, here in New Jersey. I don't know what it's like in other, other places, but I didn't have that option to like count down the years to pension full retirement and then go do what I wanted to do. I was like, oh, so what does that mean for me? And I was like, uh, mm, I don't know. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but I just wanted to sort of mark that moment of the midlife realization, right? It's, it's where you get to a point where you're like, oh, here I am and I am dissatisfied with that. What now? So what I want to talk about first for this first of the four part series is to look at how far we've come. The tendency is to realize we're dissatisfied with midlife, like where we are. And then we go, how did we get here? So looking back, how far I've come? Well, when I was younger, 
when I say younger, probably middle school age. I didn't really know what I wanted to be. You know, a lot of people ask me, you know, do you, what, what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were a kid, what did you say you wanted to be when you grew up? And I was like, I really don't remember. I have blocked out a lot of my childhood and that is due to childhood trauma. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, um, but yeah, because of childhood trauma, I don't have very many memories of my childhood and growing up, I thought that was normal. You know, I mean, my friends would remember a little bit here, a little bit there. And then I started, as I got older, I started to realize, oh, no, people remember most of their childhood. I'm like the one who doesn't. And what is that about? And so I came to discover that it's, it is childhood trauma. Um, And so, you know, I'm, I'm working on it, continue to work on it. And I've healed so much um, that memories are starting to come back, but I can't yet or still remember what I said I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm very curious about to, to, to rediscover anyway. So in, um, middle school, I didn't know what I wanted to be in high school. I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. And, um, but there was that plan that is mapped out for everybody, right? It's the plan. And I've talked about this before the plan to go to college, get a job, find a spouse, get married have some kids, get a house, get a continue with a job that's hopefully well-paying with a great benefits package, you know, retirement plan that the employer contributes to. And, um, and then you work, you work, you work, and then you watch your kids, you raise your kids, wake, let them grow up. You still work. They go to college. They, you still work. Then you hit retirement and then you can go do whatever you want because you've worked and saved this money and put it away. And then you have the freedom to do whatever you want. And what is that thing you want to do? Oh, you don't know by then. I mean, a lot of people go retire down to like golf course communities or they do a lot of traveling. Um, and then after that, then, then what, then you retire and then what, you know, you enjoy your grandkids and then you die. I mean, pretty much that's, that's the plan they leave out. They, they map out for you, but they don't tell you what happens in between during the working part. (laughs) So in my, I think it was my senior year or maybe my junior year in high school, um, that's the time you start looking at colleges and people are like, well, what do you want to study? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. Who knows when you're 16, 17, like what you want to study. And they say what you want to study, then it's like this, this commitment, this life commitment. What do you want to study in college? Because that's the thing you're going to be for the rest of your life. What 16, 17 year old wants to make that kind of commitment, that kind of declaration, you know, it's like, oh my God, it's a life sentence. I get to choose my life sentence. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Are you kidding me? So then my parents were like, why don't you go into business or be a doctor, you know, or a lawyer or an engineer, classic uh, Asian expectations. So I was like, all right, well, since I don't know what to do, I just, I'll go with that and see how it goes. So when I went to college, you know, when I was looking at colleges, I looked at um, business programs and also um, pre-med programs. Because I don't, I didn't, being a lawyer didn't sound very inviting because all I thought of were just like these sharks who, you know, took people's money and made people cry. It does not, it was not a a career I was interested in engineering. I was like, that sounds 
like hard, <laughs> even though I had no idea what it was. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> even in college, I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is engineering? You guys, can you just tell me I had engineers for friends and I was like, what? Um, but then, you know, I get to college and, um, realize, no, you know, pre-med is not for me. Like sciences, I don't like my head could not wrap around what was happening, which is interesting because I did so well in all of my subjects in high school, but then I got to college and it was like, my brain just didn't work. My brain was like, I don't even know what this is. Like, what is chemistry? I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't get it um but then I found my true love which was literature and creative writing and so I went I went down that path which um was much to my parents chagrin not the most ideal one right so then I created this new path that was different from what they had mapped out for me but it was still had that same layout of get a job find a spouse have kids whatever and um it felt like sort of the in-between what they wanted and what I wanted, even though I didn't know what I wanted. I just knew that I needed to go somewhere. So there was a map somewhere. So I just went along with the map, you know? So I went to grad school got a job and sort of tried to work with my, my writing. And so I'm doing this dual life, this dual life of, the map of the plan, the capital T, capital P plan. You know, I got a job after college, then I went to grad school, and then I got another, I got a job that was appropriate for my um, my graduate degree, which is being a professor. Um, but, you know, we won't talk about the, the job market in academia, how it's basically there are no full-time jobs unless you work your butt off and get the PhD and all these things, which... That's another story for another day. Um, but I want to talk about how far I've come. So in talking and sharing my story about how far I've come, maybe you can also reflect back on how far you've come and how you got to where you are now. And so this whole map I've been following, right? And then, you know, I meet somebody, we get married, and then we have kids and we're going, it's like going like clockwork. I mean, man, the reality that I was creating was exactly the plan. And then I get to a point where then I'm, I run out of plan. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Now what? I got all the things that I wanted. Now it's time. And, you know, my inner, my inner being was like, now it's time to dream a little bit bigger. You know, what do you truly want? And I was like, I don't know, <laughs> you know? And so for, you know, for now take some time to just take inventory. Look at, look over your shoulder and see how far you've come. How far have you come to get to this point in life? And what meaning do you make from that? You know, where have you grown? Where have you opted out? Where have you just done the things that other people want you to do? You know, just take inventory. And then next week, we'll talk a little bit more about where we are now, where I am now, where you are now, a little bit more of what it is to stand in midlife, looking both into the past, looking at how far we've come, and then looking forward to where we go from here. So tomorrow's, I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow, next week's episode, part two of the series is 
going to be where I am now. And then you can guess what part three is going to be. And then part four is going to be like a little magical surprise. So I hope you listen for um, the next parts coming up. I'm very excited about this because I want to connect with those of us who are struggling with not only who are we being in our lives at this threshold of transition and change, but what is our relationship with our spirituality? Not just, you know, spirituality, not just in terms of whatever organized religion you might practice, but just your connection with your innermost self, with your divine being, your divine essence. You know, where are you in relationship with that? Do you have a relationship with your inner self or not? And if you don't, how does that feel? So we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next episodes. All right, my friends. So to wrap up our um, episode today, I'm going to read a poem from Rumi. And... Let me see, where is it? Oh, here we go. Where everything is music. Don't worry about saving these songs. And if one of our instruments breaks, it doesn't matter. We have fallen into the place where everything is music. The strumming and the flute notes rise into the atmosphere. And even if the whole world's harp should burn up, there will still be hidden instruments playing. So the candle flickers and goes out. We have a piece of flint and a spark. This singing art is sea foam. The the graceful movements come from a pearl somewhere on the ocean floor. Poems reach up like spindrift and the edge of driftwood along the beach, wanting. They derive from a slow and powerful root that we can't see. Stop the words now. Open the window in the center of your chest and let the spirits fly in and out. Love that one. Yes. Ah. (laughs) All right, my friends. And on that note, we close the episode like we always do. The divine light in me bows to the divine light in you. Until next time, namaste. If you're feeling like fighting the good fight is bringing you down and hope is starting to fade, grab my free seven-day meditative challenge, Spark Joy in Chaos, by signing up for my newsletter, which will be more light to your inbox. Go to suryagiyan.com slash subscribe.